0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: They didn't say it once or twice. They said it three times. Holy, holy, holy. We're striving to be holy. We desire to be holy. He is absolutely holy. And they're worshiping him with these words. Holy, holy, holy. Then they call him the Lord. God Almighty, each one, Lord, that means that there's none above us, you. Lord, you have, you have dominion over us, we submit to you, Lord, God, you are God, you're the God, Almighty, above everything, there's no power above you, Almighty, that means that there's no rival to you if you're Almighty.
0: The subject of heaven is fascinating. First off, how do we get there? When Jesus died on the cross, He died for our sins, and when we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we are saved through His grace. The next thing you're probably thinking is, now that I'm in heaven, what will I be doing? In today's message, Pastor Bill tells us that after we go to heaven, we will continue to worship God. And according to the Bible, we are next to other believers in Christ, and we will worship God alongside the angels. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: We'll know a little bit later that they're as they sing their song, because some people have suggested they might have been angels. They're not angels. We'll see angels in this chapter. These are people the, the songs that people sing are different than the songs that the angels sing. So we people can worship God for some things that the angels cannot worship God for. The people have been redeemed. Angels have not been redeemed. And so um, I should explain that real quick. There's a distinction between human beings and angels in this. The only two beings that God has created that are eternal are angels and human beings. So everything else God created is not eternal. If you love your dogs, they, they, when they die, get a new dog. They're not eternal. They're not awaiting you in heaven. They're not running around. Fluffy is not running around the gates waiting for you to appear there. Human beings, angels, everything else is, is not eternal. So the angels, um, we know that they're in the unseen realm. They exist in the presence of almighty God. Uh, Satan used to be an angel. He was an anointed cherub that covered. Um, then he fell. So he's, now he's still an angel, but he's a fallen angel. So in the unseen realm, there, there are angels that still belong to the Lord, and there's demons that fell with Satan, the, those are fallen angels. They're in the unseen realm. Here's the difference. The angels that fell, is there a plan of redemption for them? Can they be forgiven? Is God going to give them a second chance? No. And we're told in the book of Hebrews that God does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So God says, when the angels fall, there's nothing I can do for you. Done. Why? That seems, I mean, I, I wonder that. Like you know, Maybe God will have a soft place one day and forgive say, Satan and repent. He'll forgive him. Never. It's a wrap. Why is that? I, I believe it's because of where they fell from. They fell from a place where they saw God in all of his glory right. and still decided, I want to do my thing. And God said, okay, then you can go do your thing. There'll be no plan of redemption for you. There'll be no coming back. And so when you wonder, what, why does Satan care about us? Why, did they, why, why do they care about us? Why would they bother with mankind? Because I want you to think of how it must bug them to watch you and me. We're not perfect. They're they watching us. They watch you tear up. They're there when you do what you do. And they're like, they can get another chance? I just don't seem right. They, you know, they want you to go to hell with them. They know where they're going. They know it's a fact that they're going to hell. I've often said demons are like, I used to do youth ministry, and whenever we would be around a pool, I'd see all the boys coming, and they're trying to come and tackle me to throw me in a pool, and, you know, that was just what we would do around pools. I would, you know, throw the cell phone, and if I know I'm going in, I'm going to grab as many kids as I can. I'm just making sure, I'm just not going alone, right? I'm I'm going in, I committed. I'm going, but I'm snatching up as many little kids as I can, y'all all coming with me, you know? That's where Satan is working from. He knows he's going to hell. And as many people as he can deceive and lie to and ensnare and entrap and take with him, that's what he's trying to do. That's the motivation behind his wickedness. He also hates God. And so he hates the fact that you can be saved because he can't. Now, for you and me, we got a different situation, right? God knows that we're flawed and God has made a a plan for you and I to be redeemed, that if we would put our faith in Christ, no matter what we have done God is willing to forgive us, to cleanse us. He'll move inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit, help us to transform from the inside out. The, the, the supernatural down payment that you belong to the Lord and will go to heaven is the Holy Spirit. And God will continue to work in us until we go to be with him. And so that's not true for angels. It's only true for human beings. And so, again, around this throne, there are these 24 elders. That are sitting on these lesser thrones. Now, Why are they on thrones? The Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. It says that in Romans 8:17. We're also told in 2 Timothy 2.12 that we're going to reign with him. We're going to reign with him. And so that's why they're on thrones. They're enthroned with him, but they're just they're on lesser thrones. They're not, they're not on thrones where they're being worshiped. They're on thrones where their worship we'll see is directed toward the one that's on the throne. It says they had crowns of gold on their heads. Um, We know that saints and believers, we know that we can live in such a way that God will reward us, Um, that we can receive crowns and we can receive, you know, crowns for your Christian service, for your sacrifice. There are different things that we can do in our Christian experience where God says, I'm going to give you, you get a crown for that. What do they do with these crowns? We'll see in in a little bit that they take the crowns and they cast them in worship at the feet of the Lord. You know, Uh, they take that which is significant and it's like, God, I give it all to you. But we know that this represents the redeemed. Now look at verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And so all these things that just demonstrate God's awe and his power. There was thunderings, lightnings, voices that are coming from the throne. Again, all things that would speak just his power. The second part of verse 5 says, There were seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So there's these lamps this is uh, it's taking pictures from the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. Um, the lamps that were there were lit by oil. Oil is in the Bible symbolic of what the Holy Spirit. And so, in the Old Testament, this these oil trees that would provide nonstop, you know, fire, nonstop oil to the lamps to stay burning. Uh, symbolic of just the the work of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing work, the continual work. Well, here in this heavenly scene, as he looks at the throne and looks at the one that's enthroned and the thrones around the thrones and hears the thunderings and the lightnings and the voices, he sees these seven lamps that are burning. And it says they're burning before the throne. It says, which are the seven spirits of God? We saw this same thing earlier in chapter one, verse four. So they're not seven Holy Spirits, right? Right. The seven spirits of God, it's in chapter one, verse four, it's explained in Isaiah 11, verse two, is this. The number seven is the number of what? Completion. Completion. So the, the seven spirits of God are speaking of just the complete working of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse two, it lays out what that looks like. You know, what are the what's the complete working of the Holy Spirit? What's what's the Holy Spirit accomplish or do? And I'll read it to us real quick. Isaiah 11, verse 2, sorry. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. It's the full working, the complete working of the Holy Spirit. And so all these things are there before the throne. So we have the Holy Spirit there present. Verse 6, Before the throne, there there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. So we got this sea of this sea that's like glass or like crystal, and in the midst of the throne, there's four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. So uh, if you're a note taker, write down as far as the four living creatures. These are angels. They're described, the same angels we're going to read about here are described in Ezekiel chapter 1, 4 through 14, and also Ezekiel chapter 10, 20 and 22. I'll go ahead and read their description because it's kind of interesting and people, people have a lot to say about this. So it says in verse 7, the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So a few things about these creatures. Number one, the old King James is a bad translation because it calls them beasts. They're not beasts. They're living creatures. These are, these are angelic beings. And so um, beast kind of gives a wrong connotation or a wrong idea about what these are. These are four living creatures. When it says they're full of eyes in front and in the back, that means they're seeing everything. They're insightful. They, they are seeing everything that's going on. And then we get these descriptions one looks like a lion. The other one looks like a calf. The other one has a face like a man. The other one has, is like a flying eagle. And there are volumes and volumes on what that means. I've looked into all of them. I've, I read and read and read. And um, again, I think this is another place where you could go a long way describing what each of these things may or may not be and lose sight of what comes out of their mouth and what it is that they're doing. So um, I'm going to keep it simple for you. One of the common thoughts is that, that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's, it's probably the most common one, is that each one represents uh, one of the Gospels and got the presentation of Jesus through each of the Gospels. So the, Matthew, they see as the lion, that he shows Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah as he's presenting Jesus to the Jews. Mark, they say, is like the ox. Um, Mark shows Jesus as the humble servant and the worker. Um, Mark's Gospel shows Jesus doing many things um, Luke, they say, is the man, um, shows Jesus as the the perfect man, uh, the second Adam. And then John is seen as the eagle uh, that representing Jesus as the man from heaven or the sky. And that, I hear those, right? I just feel like a, they're a stretch to me. Um, I don't know that I could, I don't know if I just could read my Bible and, say, and come up with that, you know? And so most of the descriptions I found feel that way to me. This is another one that I, I may I may be a little more comfortable with is, the lion so it's looking at each of these four living creatures and saying this each of the four living creatures is presented in a way that represents the it would it would represent the best of its created type so if you looked at the the lion the lion is the mightiest of the animal kingdom it's the best of the best in that realm, if you look at the ox, it's the strongest of the work animals, or the domesticated animals. The eagle is, is the, it's the best of all the birds. It's the, each one of these represents the highest form of what it is. Um, man is the highest of all of God's creation. God has put man, he's put everything under us. I wouldn't get lost here. Um, I'm Suffice to say, I don't know if it matters what each of these faces means. I know these are four angels that are before the throne. They have eyes all around them. They got these different faces. They look these different ways. But I want you to look at what they do before the Lord and what they do in God's presence day and night. Verse eight says, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And before we look real too much at what they say. I want to run, roll back just a moment and remind us of this. These are angelic beings in the unseen realm. I want you to adjust your mental picture when you think about angels to what we're actually seeing in the Bible. I think most times when people think of an angel, you think of a little fluffy, white, naked baby with wings or you know stuff like that. I want you to think about every time you see angels in the Bible, they're They're warriors. There's, these creatures don't ever look sweet. When Whenever somebody saw an angel, what was their response? They were afraid. They were like, oh, dang. You know, like they fall down. They get, they get afraid. All the angels are always having to say, hey, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So, you know, one angel killed 10,000. You know, uh, one angel can put to death. I mean, these are these are warrior creatures in the unseen realm. They do battle. They go to war. They scrap with each other. They fight for you. You guys know that in the unseen realm, there are angels that are protecting you when you don't know it. Some of us won't know till we get together in heaven. How much your angels gonna be like, man? You overworked me. I want, <laughs> I want a bonus. You, you, you was putting me, you was putting me to work out there, man. You know, we may never know till we get there what all they did in the unseen realm. And so, just just tune your view in. To what we're reading about this, this image is similar. We see in Isaiah, the angels with the six wings and Isaiah says, with two, they cover their eyes and with two, they cover their feet. And they they were there before the Lord. But look at what these angels have to say to God. They say, holy, holy, holy. Lord God almighty. Who was and who is and who is to come. They are recognizing God's absolute holiness. They didn't say it once or twice. They said it three times. Holy, holy, holy. Holy we're striving to be holy we desire to be holy he is absolutely holy and they're worshiping him with these words holy 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 then they call him the lord god almighty each one lord that means that there's none above the lord you have you have dominion over us we submit to you lord god you are god you're the god almighty above everything there's no power above you almighty that means that there's no rival to you if you're almighty lord god almighty they put him in his rightful place Then they say who was and who is and who is to come. No one else fits that description. No one else was, is, and is coming still. You eternally exist and you've always been, still are, and will always be. And they sing this. It says they say this day or night. They don't stop day or night singing this to the Lord. It's what the angels are in heaven doing. Nonstop. This is the nonstop tune of heaven. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And that's on repeat up there. Then it says in verse nine, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Now, let me talk about this because the angels seem like they kick it off. And then the 24 elders representing the the redeemed they fall down on their faces. And I am gonna just say this to us. If you've never just got on your face before God, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to put your body in the place where you, your heart's at. You know? It's good to kneel before the Lord sometimes and just to lay on your face. It's a prostrate. It's, it's, it's the most humble position you can put your body in is to just lay down. That is the most, you know, that's as far as we can get to put our body in a humble position And you want your body and heart to be in the same place. These people, and this is something you want to see. Every time you get a glimpse of heaven, the people that are there, they're worshiping. You know why? They're thankful to be there. They're they're only there because of the one on the throne. Nobody gets to heaven. People be saying like, you know, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. You ain't gonna have no questions. You just, we say dumb stuff down here sometimes. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask God something. You ain't gonna ask him like that, you know? The Bible also says when we see him, We'll know even as we're also known. So you will never be, you won't be dumber when you get there. You're gonna know even as you're known. You're gonna, you're gonna, you, some things are gonna be answered just when you get there. But if you take a look at heaven every time we get a glimpse of it and the people that are there and what they're doing, they are humbled and they're broken and they're falling down and they're worshiping. And I wonder, because God wants things to be on earth as they are in heaven. I wonder if we would have. A greater view of the one that's on the throne. If we would have a greater view of the throne, if maybe that would be more naturally what would come forth out of our lives. I'm not trying to drum up some external you know, activity that looks like worship, but this is something real. They ain't laying on the floor because someone said, guys, lay down time. Now it's time to run a lap. They're, not, they're doing that. This is the natural response to being in his presence. And they're hearing it sung that, you know, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and who And they just like, man, I don't know what this dude would just fall down before him. And they're going to worship with their own words in just a moment, but they just fall down prostrate before the Lord. My heart for us is that we would have more of that kind of a vision, more of a just a, our hearts on eternity, our hearts on the throne, our hearts toward the one that's seated on the throne but that would be the focus. As a church, right? Do you think there's any bickering between the 24 elders? Too focused on the throne. There's no arguing here. There's no bickering. There's nobody's complaining. Everybody's glad to be there. Everybody's glad to be with him. They're glad to be in his presence. They're glad that they're in heaven. There's not, None of the things that we've seen, there's no pride. Nobody's proud. It's not, it didn't say half of them fell down and a few of them stood back like, I don't need to fall, you know? Everybody hit the deck everybody's face on the floor. They're all humbled. That's something, there's something that that the cross brings about equality. There's a lot of different types of people in this room, different ages, different races, different states of life. But you know, we all come to the cross. We all There's an equality there. We all need it just the same. Amen? I don't need it more or less. I need it just the same as everybody here. We all need him. And when we get to heaven... None of us are going to be, none of us have a right to be less, none of us can be like, well, you know, I, I kind of deserve to be here. I don't know how he got in. You know, there won't be none of that, right? We get there, we're going to all know that none of us deserved it, but he provided it for us anyway. There'll be equality and even on our praise. God, thank you. What if we could live that way, though? What if we could, if we know it, what if we lived like that? What if I lived like, I'm not better than anybody. I'm grateful. I'm grateful as all get out that God saved me. I'm grateful that I'm going to heaven. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but it's been given to me. I'm thankful for it. It should produce genuine worship. It should produce genuine surrender. It should, it should be, there should be something genuine that it produces in my life where God, because of this, you can do what you want to do with this life. You can have this life. I want to serve you. I'm not serving you so that you'll bless me. I'm not hoping you do a new thing for me. You've done enough. I'm grateful for what's already been done because I deserve to go to hell, but I'm going to go to heaven because of Jesus. That's the one that's on the throne. That's who they're worshiping. So again, the 24 elders fall down. They, they fall down before him. Verse 10 again, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. So again, they take that which they received as reward and they just cast them before the throne. Um, again, the crowns that we get are not like, this is not our personal trophies. They just worship the Lord with them. And then it says in verse 11, they said, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so the worship that comes from these 24 elders right here is that they said, First of all, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And I hope we will understand that he's worthy of that. Nobody else is worthy of that. Just Him. You are worthy to receive glory. You're worthy to receive honor, power. You, you, you're worthy of that. Here they worship Him for His power and creation, for you created all things. It says, and by your will, they exist and we're created. God, you made everything. And by your will, they exist and we're created. So everything that we see, you're, you're responsible for. You created and they exist for you. Do we know that we exist for Him? We're part of what He created. Amen. We exist. It's, it's, you created all things, and by your will, they exist, and we're created. It's by God's will that I exist, and I've been created. And we've been created to worship Him. My prayer is that we would, these things would settle in our hearts, and they would begin to impact how we live, how we think, how we treat each other, how we move, what we do. What's your vision? What's your goal? What's your focus on? And how much of it is influenced by the one that's seated on the throne? Here's a bigger question, right? Is the one that's seated on the throne, Jesus. Is he the one that's on the throne of your own heart? Right? Is there something else battling for the number 1 spot in your life? Um he's the only one that deserves to be on the throne, right? He needs to be on the, He is on the throne regardless. But the question usually comes to us is is he on the throne of your heart? Is he the Lord? Is he Are you submitted to him? Are you running everything through him? Are you making decisions about what you're going to do day to day, week to week with your life that are running through the one that's seated on the throne? Are you just kind of doing you, doing your thing? We want to bring things into alignment where we say, God, I'm I'm fixated on the one that's on the throne. I know when this all ends, that's where all the focus is going to be. I need to get to a place where I live my life in such a way where that becomes my focus too, that I'm focused on you, Lord. I'm focused on what you want. I want to give us a memory verse for the week. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I want us to all read it together real quick. So Colossians 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. When you get it, say, got it. Colossians 3, um, starting at verse 1. Ready? Go. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with God, with Christ in God. My bad. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So next week, we're going to say that without reading it. We're going to all say that. I want everybody to just, I, me too. Um, we going to all work on that. But here's the idea. That verse says, look, we, since then, it says if, that word if means since. Since then you were raised with Christ. To says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. And so my prayer is that, that's, that I don't want to just read about heaven and read about the throne and read about the one on the throne and not be impacted by it in a real way. Um, this has to impact how I think, how I make decisions, what I do from week to week. Uh, I want to live like he's on the throne. Amen? And so since I've been raised with Christ, since you've been raised with Christ, let's choose to seek those things, focus on those things which are above, so that we wouldn't be so caught up in the temporal that we lose sight of what matters for all eternity. Amen.
0: You've been listening to a transforming word as pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of revelation. This book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned, and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce ultimate superhero. Someone you would want to follow, but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryenglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more... That phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.